What is up, everybody? We are back with our third episode of the fan section brought to you by your co-hosts, Tyson and Alan. Uh, real quick, we uh, want to dive into some, before we even predict the conferences, because today is going to be all about conferences, right? Like, we're going to highlight that. We're going to skip recruiting because nothing real, really important, I th- I'd say, in my opinion, happened as far as, like, the last week or anything like that. But before we dive into the actual landscape of the conferences, I wanted to just say this real quick. So this is the fan section brought to you by fans for fans across the college landscape from section 100 to section 300. All the suites, all the bleachers, and any stadium you can think of, we welcome everybody. Like I said, I'm Alan. I'm your co-host. This is Tyson, who is the other co-host. Just two dudes talking college, dropping knowledge. Uh, before we start, we want to take the time to ask you to like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. We promise to read it on air. Also, to go over to our Twitter handle, which is the fan section. If you want to get into that mailbag or send us your questions, go ahead at thefansection1 at gmail.com. So having said all that... Let's get right into it, man. I am excited because the college football season is right around the corner, right? It is, yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, just, we're so close. We're so, you can taste it. Like, week zero is literally right around the corner. So, um, when we do our preview conferences, I want to do a big and I want to do a little. So, meaning, no no disrespect to the little conferences, like the Mountain West, the All-Americans, the even, I would consider even the ACC without Clemson a littler conference, right? Like, Potentially, you could argue like maybe the Big East would be a little one outside. And this is just talking football. Like in, in other sports, those are bigger conferences. We know that. But I want to highlight today the Pac-12, and I want to highlight the Mountain West Conference. Because I think those two, with the way the landscape is going, might they might the Pac-12 might have some teams from the Mountain West in the future, right? With all <laughs> this, I mean, if, I, if I'm the Pac-12, I'm calling a couple teams um nevada i'm calling i'm calling csu even uh, just to get some some rhythms some teams just to kind of swipe away because the big 12 as we know with all the news coming out today that texas and oklahoma is for sure leaving they're reeling they're trying to get some teams so i think if we highlight those two teams they kind of go quote unquote side to side right mm-hmm. um having said that though we have an algorithm that you've come up with my man and i think it's amazing <laughs> i I can't, I can't tell you the hours that it looks like it took you to do this. So if you want to dive into that and tell the fans what it is. Well, so, you know, we as fans, uh, just like yourself, um, you know, we enjoy the games. We, we have uh, foes and rivals and favorite teams and all, all these kind of different uh, factors come into play, which is fantastic. But not helpful from like a betting perspective. Yeah. If you if, when you when you're trying to approach a projection, which is what we're going to try and do here with the conferences, is to try and project as accurately as we can, and we'll return at the end of the season and revisit these projections and see where we were right, where we were wrong. <laughs> um, so so the, the, this algorithm, this model uh, that uh, we created, is in an effort. To, uh, to view this upcoming season as objectively as possible. Now, there are always outliers, and so this model will never be perfect. For I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, the 2018, 2019 season, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody, not a single person in their right mind, had Joe Burrow and LSU <laughs> going undefeated and winning the national championship, right, right? right? And so that's just a complete outlier that mm-hmm. that this model would not be able to account for. Mm-hmm. However, ideally, the model would would be able to predict 
maybe not LSU, but they would it would predict teams two through ten. Absolutely. Correctly, or somewhere Absolutely. in that in that um, area. So so just a quick overview here of how we have produced uh, this uh, model. Uh, so first thing we do is we we take information, all the data we can from the 2020 season. Okay. Okay. So conference win percentage, uh, overall win percentage, mm-hmm. and the reason we do win percentage is because if 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 we did it based off of strict wins and losses last year, there were conferences that only played six games mm-hmm. and conferences that played 10, 12, right? Okay. So so we had to make a, a an easily comparable metric. So that's the percent win percentage. Okay. Mm-hmm. The then the third thing we account for is conference champion. Okay, and and that is what I like to sort of refer to as sort of the the um, the in in your head factor. For for example, o- Oklahoma has won the Big Twelve for you know whatever it is ten straight years now. Mm-hmm. It's in Iowa State's head. It's in Texas's head. Okay. For whatever reason, they can't get over that hurdle. So it's just a hump or so, an X factor. So that provides some semblance of advantage. Mm-hmm. To what degree we don't know. Okay. But. You know, and same thing with Clemson and the yeah. ACC, right? For example, nobody can seem to get over the hump. Right. Um, so, so we account for that. Then we add an additional uh, point value for teams that made the playoff. Okay. Because I think we would all recognize, as a generality, those four teams are almost always a significant cut above the rest of the teams. Right. Right. And generally, that's Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Alabama. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, this last year, you had Notre Dame. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so they got the point value whether you think they're worthy of it or not. Right. But anyways. Which makes sense. Then we take into account a point value assessed to each team based off of their final ranking in the top 25. Okay. After all the bowl games. Any team that didn't finish in the top 25 uh, is assigned a ranking level of 26. That's just a flat point value. Okay. So then we get our 2020 um, power rankings coming from the 2020 season. Okay. Okay. So then from our 2020 power rankings, we go into uh, unit assessment. Okay. So on each team, based off of um, passing yards, passing attempts, rushing yards, rushing attempts, to get it, get an idea of the balance of their offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly with defense and turnovers, uh, penalty yards, uh, is, is generally, it's kind of surprising, but penalty yards is generally kind of a consistent metric based on coaches, mm. which would really? make sense, right? A coach who responds to his team uh, in a very severe way with penalties yeah. is likely to have fewer penalty yards over the course of the season. So discipline comes into play. Discipline, right. That's, a, that's probably the, the best word to okay. use for it. So we take into account all of those different things. Yeah. So that's, you know, uh, 18 different factors we take into account in grading the team's defense. Mm-hmm. And this is defense based off of some stats from last year and then also uh, the value of uh, transfers uh, coming in this year. Okay. So then we assign a defensive ranking. Some, same thing we do with offensive ranking. So that would be pass yards, rush yards. Same thing, penalties, turnovers, uh, and and. So that's a component. So, so of, of the grand total components that come together to create the 2021 power ranking, mm-hmm. one component is their 2020 uh, production score. Okay. One component is their 2021 defensive score, mm-hmm. their 2021 offensive score. Uh, and then we also account for this final factor, which I call uh, an off-season grade. Okay. And so the off-season grade begins with the recruiting ranking for each team. Mm. 
I just take that strictly. I don't go deep into five stars, four stars, whatever. Uh-huh. I just take it strictly based off of the the recruiting ranking that the general okay. media okay. has assigned. So to each by team. some miracle, Hawaii has like a top ten class that'll definitely affect it. Oh, of course, okay. yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. of course. That now, now I prorate that for a couple of reasons. Number one, generally you don't see um, recruits come in and have an impact in their first season. Right. So we, were, we would be looking at their first season right here. Okay. But number two, the second reason is the recruits that would have an impact in their first season are generally going to Alabama, Ohio State, whatever, yeah. where there's a better player at their position, well, so they might not even play. Okay, yeah. So, But but I do account for that. Yeah. You see most of the impact, in, to be honest, in the offensive and defensive line. Okay. Yeah, because uh, some of those players come in, if you're like a five-star, you're going to come in and at least be a part of the mix, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're going to swing around. You maybe not necessarily for the for what at least is from what I've seen, a D lineman that's like a say a four or five star mm-hmm. will be in a package on on that defensive scheme, right? Like they're not gonna because you got to keep your players rested, so that that makes a lot of sense because you have a lot of players coming in, and it's like you're just rotating a lot of guys. You're in the rotation. You're not necessarily a starter like Cade Hall or someone like that, but you're gonna be rotating. If you're a freshman, sure. so that's really cool. So that makes sense as far as the pro rating goes. And as, and as we go, we're going to tinker with this process. Alan is obviously the recruiting whiz, <laughs> and that's an, a, an area uh, in the interest of self awareness. That's an area of weakness of mine, uh, and so I I rely on Alan for that kind of stuff. So um, so thank you. Yeah, um, of course, man. The, then the next factor in the off season grade is NFL. Uh, draft picks, and I split oh, that out okay. to two separate factors. First being top ten draft picks. Okay. As a generality, top ten draft picks are minimum m- boys are much much better yeah. than anyone else in the Absolutely. draft, and so that is going to impact negatively the team they left much much more than okay. any other uh, dra- draft pick. Okay. But then I also account for total draft picks for each team. Okay. And those are going to be negative scores, right? Because that's yeah. production leaving. Because you're losing that talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And then I have a, a factor called star power, mm. right? And so uh, I look around the different boards and the different websites and see what the most buzz is about, which players the most buzz is about. You know, uh, for example, in this category, you would uh, Utah got a big boost. We're going to be talking about the Pac-12 here in a little bit. Yeah. They got a big boost for picking up former Baylor quarterback Charlie Brewer. Oh, okay. Now, people don't realize because Baylor had a poor season last year, yeah. but there was a coaching changeover because um, Matt Rule went to coach at Carolina, the yeah. Panthers. Yeah. Um, but Charlie Brewer, two years ago, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think, I think Baylor, went, they won like 10 or 11 games. Mm. I mean, they, he, he played fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um so that would be the final factor, and then those all come together, uh, and then uh, and then the one last caveat I have is a coach ranking. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we went over this, I believe, in the last podcast, didn't we? Our coaches ranking. Yes, we did. We talked about coaches on the hot seat, coaches that um, the coaches on the hot seat shouldn't probably have a job, maybe middle of the season right. or at the end of the season. We also talked about the top coaches in the, in the mm-hmm. actual college landscape programs, like. You know, the Sabins, um, Dabo Sweeney, da- the Sweeney's, like just a lot of really, yeah, we definitely did talk about that. So, that impact, if that coach, so for example, going back to the point about Matt Rule, uh-huh. how much of a negative impact would your head coach leaving someone of that caliber have on this algorithm? Is it a ton or is it kind of not as much as you think? But if you think about it, like, I would think it'd be a lot because that's the guy. 
I mean, a lot of assistant coaches, like Shiverini is the main recruiting coach at CU. If he left, I feel like that would be more of a negative impact to CU versus F their new head coach. That's a good point. Right? That is so a good does point. That, does that come in at the factor at all or no? Uh, assistant coaches, no. Okay. Um, I, I guess maybe you would say it's a it's a coaching staff ranking. Yeah. Now, in the in the case of Matt Rule, again, in full disclosure, mm-hmm. he would not have – I mean, he, he kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and that season was very much an aberration. So yeah. maybe similarly to, like, the example I gave about LSU, mm-hmm. this, this model wouldn't have accounted for that Baylor performance. Yeah. You know, there are probably five or six teams every year that just, for whatever reason – they they were five and seven the year before and, yeah. and and the ten years before and then for whatever reason they win ten or eleven games yeah. this season. Well, the 2019-2020 Baylor went I think eleven and three. Eleven and three. Yeah. yeah. So they were they were right neck and neck yeah. with Oklahoma competing for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kansas State also had a pretty good year that year too. But as far as and then Rule left mm-hmm. and then you see the the drop off. They only won like two games last year. Right. Granted, it was COVID, but they still played pretty much damn near a full season. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah, they did. You know, that's a good point. They I mean, did, I, and also with it being the COVID year, mm-hmm. it's an anomaly because you have a new coach that's not just a new coach with a program, but a new coach who's who. For example, Carl Durrell last year at CU, yeah, yeah, he barely got a chance to meet the players before all hell broke loose in March. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm saying? And yeah. so, and so, those relationships aren't instilled or developed. And but so anyway, the so culture, yeah. I think we, yeah, culture exactly. Mm-hmm. But so we went, we went over six coaches, I think, last week. But yeah. I, I assigned a point value to the top twenty-five coaches, okay, uh, based off of kind of a conglomeration of opinions. Uh, again, trying to be as objective as possible, yeah. not being purely subjective. And then, uh, and then ultimately, that all comes together to produce their twenty twenty-one power ranking. Okay. And so, just real quick, I'll just run through the top uh, ten. Say top ten uh, of a power rankings this year. So this, before you get into the top ten, this is where you project them to finish, like one no. through ten. No. Oh, this is where coming no. in and start. One this is ten. this is strictly power ranking. Okay. So then, when we go, when we, so this is the number we use mm-hmm. to the because the, here's the other thing we have to account for. Home field advantage. Ah. And also trends. Especially this year, because fans are loud in the right. same stadiums. Right. And also trends, yeah. meaning uh, if a team loses three games in a row, they're more likely to lose the fourth. Uh, Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Than, than they would yeah. had they won the previous three. Years. That makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so these are the, these are the strictly the power rankings. On okay. any given Saturday, okay. on a neutral site, if these two teams played, the higher score would win. Okay. As, cool. just, that's, what the, that's what the model is intended for. Yeah. Then when we do the, the conference previews and stuff, mm-hmm. you'll see we have gone through and assessed a, a, a home field advantage score for each team. Okay. And then that comes into a play as well as trends to, to for us to ultimately determine this team's going to finish 7-5 and five instead of 5-7 and seven right. or whatever. Right. So yeah, so here's our top 10 strictly power rankings. And you know, you might imagine number one, Alabama. Even though Alabama lost the most talent via Which, the draft. But that's every year. But they do every yeah. year. They have the highest coaches score, and they were number one in the recruiting class. Mm-hmm. So, so they just reload. Um, I, I do think personally, subjectively, that I think that they are vo- uh, vulnerable this year in a way that they haven't been. Um, well, I guess since LSU, but yeah. I mean, I think George, both Georgia and Texas A&M are very, very strong opponents. Yeah. And Alabama plays Texas A&M in the middle of the season. They play Georgia likely in the championship game. Yeah. And 
So you know, we'll, we'll see. see how we'll Bryce see. Young. They got a, they got a brand new quarterback mm-hmm. who apparently has already made a million dollars in endorsements. Which is nuts. Yeah, <laughs> we, and we hit on that name, image, and likeness. You know, a few podcasts ago, but the fact this was before that deal happened. So yeah, you know what? That's just the BIM effect. Which rightfully so. If you have a number one in their power ranking, absolutely well deserved. Okay, so then two and and I mean this this is actually closer than probably any other model would have predicted. But number two is Oklahoma. Yeah. Oklahoma returns on on the on the offense. They return the most production of any team mm-hmm. in college football. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah uh, just on the offense. Total team okay. talent returned. Um, the number one team is Louisiana Lafayette. Actually, really on both offense and defense. Wow, okay. But but Oklahoma also Oklahoma. We're projecting a much improved defense. They have yeah, potentially they a top have, twenty-five defense in the country. They actually have a. a for once in the in the Big Twelve mm-hmm. era, they have a potentially top five defense, which you don't think Big Twelve defense. You think Big Twelve, right. they're putting up 40, 42 points a game, and you're just like, all right, cool, good luck. We'll see how you play against the big boys. But now they can actually looks like at least on paper they can match up with the big boys. So then three and four is a is a virtual tie mm-hmm. uh, in their scores, separated by two one uh, two. Uh, one hundredths of a point, mm. and that's Clemson at three and Georgia at four. Mm. And we're gonna we're gonna find out week one, right? <laughs> yeah, week yeah week one in Charlotte. College game day will be there uh, hosting uh, Georgia and Clemson, and they're gonna you know Corso's gonna make his headgear pick and all that. And he's actually we don't want it. We there's a there's been a like a running joke between us dog fans. Every time he picks Georgia, they lose. So <laughs> we just that's why. So there was one year where he Lee picked, Curso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The curse of the Corso, pretty much. So it's like every time he picks it. But he there was one year where he said he was gonna pick. It was the Georgia Florida game, and he put the the Gator hat on. But he was like, I'm gonna pick Georgia. But I'm putting the headgear on so Georgia wins and ended up Georgia winning. So we just hope that he picks the Clemson Tiger <laughs> like little mascot head this time. Was that the year when they scored the touchdown and the whole team came off yeah. the sideline to the no, end zone? No, that, well, Florida beat him that year. But that was no Sean Moreno scoring that touchdown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the, the whole team. That was because Mark Rick was yeah, the touchdown. Yeah, right? Mark, and Mark Rick, Rick was, was. They're like, oh, I can't believe Mark Rick's out letting this happen. And he he's like, he fuck it. His hands, yeah, he's like, whatever. And, and like the whole Oh, game, I think he was man. about it, man. <laughs> no, he loved it. Yeah. I mean, but it was like, I mean, we eventually paid by losing the game. So I don't think it came back to, to really do the good things for us. Okay, five and six. Uh, are also very close. So there's sort of kind of three tiers that have yeah. been produced here. Mm-hmm. Tier one, and this is power rankings, right? Alabama, Oklahoma. Tier two, Clemson, Georgia. Tier three is our five number five team, Ohio State. Number six, Texas A&M. Mm. Uh, Texas A&M returns a ton of talent, right. but as you've reminded me on multiple occasions, them, they lost Kellen Mond. Losing um, Kellen Mond is going to hurt. So it's like you just wonder who. Who's going to step up to the plate for them? But, like I said, middle of the season, they get Alabama at home right. in College Station mm. where they beat Florida last year. With Kellen Mond. Well, with Kellen <laughs> But an improved defense this year over last year. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Okay, then there's actually quite a s- significant, in, in re- relativity, a significant drop-off to the Tier 4. Mm. And there are uh, what uh, Sith. Five teams in Tier 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iowa State is 7, North Carolina 8, Indiana 9, Miami 10, Oregon 11. And if you guys have disagreements, please, please go ahead and mail them to us because we want to know. I mean, obviously, if you're fans of, say, like an Iowa State, you believe that they should be in that Tier 2 thing. We Well, tell us why. Like, yeah. don't don't be afraid 
to let us know. You know what I mean? Because we're we're just two fans with you know an opinion. Mm-hmm. We want to hear all sides of everything. So yeah, well, and and in the case of Iowa State, I mean, they return a ton of talent. They do. The, the problem is. The talent's just not as good as the talent at Georgia or at Alabama. And that, I mean, and like you said earlier, it goes back into the recruiting and it goes uh, back into the head coach. Is Brock, is Brock Purdy better than JT Daniels? No. Uh, no. Not in my opinion. Right. You know okay. what I mean? But And based on what I've seen in stat Is Iowa State I mean, defense better than the Georgia defense? No. Probably not. No. no. I mean, but you could argue that there's playmakers. It's close. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. so yeah, Mike Rose, like your guy, yeah. Mike Rose, Alex. Probably better linebacker I mean, than they have at Georgia. You match him up against Nicobe Dean. Yes, I mean, you, I mean, both are both are. It's like one A, one B. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Both are very good. But like you get paired to Nate Lambin, in my opinion, I think Nate Lambin's the best inside linebacker in the country because he reminds me of that old school middle of the guy, stop the run no matter mm-hmm. what, will blitz the A-gap, you can't stop him with a center yeah. and a guard type player. Oh, he's a downhill, classic exactly, downhill guy. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel like there's, and like we said, there's playmakers all over the field for any given team. It's just when they all line up 11 on 11, this is the team we're giving the edge to. So so ultimately, that was a little uh, recap for your information of mm-hmm. how we got to the power rankings. Perfect. Uh, and then uh, I guess... Do you yeah. want to just dive right into let's the back twelve? Yeah, let's. So, the, uh, as said earlier, the conferences we're gonna we're gonna dive in before the season. We're leading up to the season. We're gonna talk about each conference, right? We're gonna do a big conference and a little conference, and we thought it would be appropriate to talk about you know the Pac twelve first. Um, there's a lot of solid teams in the Pac twelve this year. There's, uh, in my opinion, I really don't see. Pac-12 beats up on each other, right? Like, they, mm-hmm. they they haven't been able to make the playoff because you have an undefeated Utah team going against the Washington team, and the Washington team beats them when they have two losses, right? Yep. So it just kind of knocks them out. Yep. So it's like, okay, this year, though, I think it's more about the, the, the comeback of the Pac-12. I'm not expecting the Pac-12 to have any teams with more than probably two or three losses. And that includes a USC. That includes a Washington in Oregon. I don't think Oregon's... They have the talent with Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think they're undefeated talent, right? No. So... No. Oh, yeah. Our, our numbers don't have anybody going undefeated. Exactly. And and the Pac-12, in order to get into the playoff, needs an undefeated Pac-12 champion. That's just how it is. Mm. I mean... It, I think it's possible if it's a big brand or an Oregon or a USC with one loss, maybe. But they they have to be like USC of like 2005, 2006, right? Well, Blowing so, teams out of the water so with great me, offense. Let me give you an example. Um, and, I mean, we'll get into it in a second here. But the example is this. Oregon plays Ohio State week one. Okay. At Ohio State in okay. the horseshoe. If they win that if game. If they lose that and then win every other game, I think they – and win the conference championship, I think they could probably get into the playoff at 12-1. Maybe, but then you have to think about what if A&M beats Bama? Bama has one loss. Right. A&M loses to Georgia in the SEC title game. Georgia is undefeated. Bama has one loss. Mm-hmm. A&M's out. Bama's in. So mm-hmm. I would put, then you have that. Then this is the problem with having four teams, right? right. And now in 2023, we don't have to worry about it. They're going to have a, they're going to have a conference right. champion. But I'm just saying, I'm just giving a scenario. And, right. and I know I'm jumping sure. 38 weeks ahead. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But still. Um the but real quick about like the Pac-12, this is a rise for them, right? This is a comeback year for them, potentially getting set up for next year, right? Hopefully. So if you have <laughs> if you have USC, who I think is going to be a lot better, it but it all falls to players of one, which is Slovis at that at that school. Mm-hmm. Is he good enough? You know what I mean? Is the talent 
there. It's USC. What happened? You know, you, you used to be this really dominant team. You should win the South. But then you have teams that might surprise you, like a Colorado. You know what I mean? Like a UCLA. I'm not going to count Arizona State as a team that should surprise you mm-hmm. because I just don't. They're, they're from their top, which is like their head coach and their coaching staff, is currently in shambles. Um, they'll probably, in my opinion, be lucky to win five or six games. Um, just because based on, you know, you just don't have, you just don't have that. If you don't have your head coach and he's not, and you don't have that, you have that different culture, I guess, set into place. And you have all these distractions off the field. Yeah. I'm going to take that into play. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but anyway, so yeah, let's just dive right into it. We got, so in the, for those of you that don't know, if you're not Pac-12 familiar, the North has Oregon, Washington, California, Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State. The South has USC, Utah, Arizona State, UCLA, Colorado, and Arizona. And those are the media votes. Yes. So, so you know, we were talking last podcast about different news and stuff coming out of media days. So when they have their conference media days, then the media will publish. Mm-hmm. The media writ large will publish yeah. their um, preseason all-conference team, yep. preseason offensive defensive player of the year, mm-hmm. and their preseason predictions for how teams will finish. Exactly. So it has Oregon and USC base winning or playing for the Pac-12 title. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't really disagree with that. I really don't. I think if, and this is based on what I kind of just said. If Kid and Slovis has a pretty solid year, USC should win the South, right? No offense to your Buffaloes. Um, no, I don't think the Buffs it, are winning it, the South. Yeah, it, it, neither do I. But I think they can compete in it. You know what I mean? That might shock a couple teams. But as far as you know, USC being what it once was, I think this is kind of their their chance to get back to what it was. Relative, you know, Pac-12 relativity, right? USC plays at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. at Arizona State, at Colorado. Um, they have a, a sneaky tough San Jose State team to start off the season, mm-hmm. um, and they get Utah at home middle of the season. Mm. So, you know. Anyways, we'll hop next here yeah. is uh, next here is our conference prediction. Our conference predictions, mm-hmm. uh, win losses based off of uh, power rankings and assessed uh, home field advantage and stuff. So our numbers have are really high on Utah. Yeah, Utah Utah returns a ton on defense. They've got Charlie Brewer coming in on offense, mm-hmm. and they have unquestionably the best coach and coaching right. staff in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Kyle Whittingham uh, is, I mean, he he's a Hall of Famer. There's just no question about it. Right. Um, so ultimately, our conference prediction here uh, is Oregon, Washington, Stanford, top three in the North. Mm. Oregon going 11 and one, Washington eight and four, Stanford six and six, top three in the South. Utah 11 and one. USC nine and three, and then Colorado and Arizona State tie at eight and four, with Colorado winning the tiebreaker because they would beat Arizona State. And I, I don't, I feel like that's fine. You know what I mean? Like that's a solid. Like Arizona State, I was just saying, I think that's a little high for Arizona State. Maybe give them, but where are the other losses going to come from? Is the question, right? So, um, so if Arizona the, State, our model, they play at BYU, mm-hmm. week three. Okay. Then Colorado at home, yeah. at UCLA, and at Utah. There's mm. their four losses. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's – you could probably – I mean, I They also play the, at Washington. I wouldn't run at the bank and put that down, but I, I, I bet Washington beats Arizona State, you know, just because it's just – They could, and then Arizona State would be 7-5. and five. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I just think because of the coaching situation and the um, – 
the whole Antonio Pierce situation. Yeah. I think they're going to be uh, weak in the beginning part of the season. It's just a lot of distractions. Mm-hmm. And I think... But, time, but they'll be more impactful in the beginning part of the season. Yeah. They play Washington uh, the third to last okay. game. Okay. I think, you know... The coaching situation won't be as much of a question. So you just by wonder then. if that, like, if that snowball really starts to get traction, then you know what I mean. If mm-hmm. maybe they're able to stop it, kind of like after like the third or fourth week, they're like, "Hey guys, this is what's going to be. We told you this. This is gonna well." Be- they start off super easy. Yeah, Southern Utah at home, which is, That's I mean, weird. you and me and nine of our closest buddies <laughs> could probably could, start for them. Could yeah. probably, <laughs> uh, and then and then they have UNLV at home, and UNLV okay. is uh, historically bad this yeah. year. Yeah. So uh, for their program, at for least. them, I mean, them being historically bad is a, is a compliment. <laughs> but okay, so then uh, again, we ran we ran through the power rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so power rankings within the conference: top three in the North: Oregon, Washington, Stanford. Um, Oregon, the eleventh power ranking in the country. Yeah. Uh, in the South, Utah, USC, Colorado, mm-hmm. Utah, thirteenth, USC, seventeenth in the country. Yeah, and Utah, October 9th, plays USC, so that'll be a really good gauge to like. Okay, like the the. I mean, for me, if Utah is for real, they, that's a game that you're gonna you're gonna come out and you're gonna play. But at the same, on the flip side of that, USC, Utah, that's gonna be a really really good game for the Pac-12. I think to figure out, okay, winner of this could potentially win the Pac-12. Yeah, I, I think. Let me look. And then here. they also play. They play Oregon November twentieth. Um, yeah, it's shown here. So both both uh, our numbers have both Utah games. and USC undefeated at five and zero going into that matchup. So mm-hmm. they'll they'll both be top twenty five teams. Yeah, going into that game, it is at SC. Should be. I mean, probably the game of the week at that point. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Depending, depending on the other like schedule. I mean, it's week five. Maybe. I think really this will definitely be the game of the week. Utah, Oregon. Utah, yeah. Oregon. On what's the date there? Does it it's say the, it's the twentieth? The twentieth mm-hmm. of November. Yeah. Yeah. Utah, Oregon. That I think you'll. If our numbers bear out, you're going to see college game day right there, and that's right. going to be in um, in Utah, Salt Lake mm. City. Okay. Um, okay. But I I I. <sighs> It's USC. Tough. So here's the thing with USC is, and we went over it. Clay Helton's on the hot seat. Yeah, he is not a USC. He's not a Pete Carroll. Mm-mm. He's not a Steve Sarkeesian. He's not a USC brand kind of guy. No. And so I think USC is going to finish nine and three. Probably lose their bowl game, and then and then um, Clay Helton. They're they're in kind of that lukewarm hell. Do you fire him? Do you not? It's not a terrible season, but obviously USC wants to win 11, 12 games. Yeah. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. But uh, here, you, you want to talk about some of the offensive yeah, talent so in the Pac-12? The, w- once we dive into the conferences, we're going to talk about players in those conferences that we believe, you know, could be potentially not, I wouldn't say not necessarily like top five picks. Obviously, you have a good tib- a Thibodeau um, from Oregon. But as far as players that we think will impact that conference, the, the, the reason why this team could potentially win that conference, right? Um, as long as you just like highlighting really good players. So I, I already kind of mentioned Keaton Slovis. I think the, the media really loves him for some reason. <laughs> I, I haven't really seen enough of him to be like, this is the guy, right? Mm-hmm. But I also know that NFL loves quarterbacks, and they like to overhype quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and I feel like the media kind of frenzies a little bit on that a little bit too much. Um, but he's definitely one, I think, if he has a big year, USC should be back to where it was, right? They have a pretty solid team coming back. Um, they do have a freshman right tackle and left tackle, though. So it's like 
the inexperience. Yeah, he may be moving a lot. Yeah, the inexperience. Can he move the pocket? You're gonna see a lot. I mean, you're gonna see a lot of tools. Um, he was sacked 15 times in six games last year. That's crazy. I mean, that's he, so. That's a lot. <laughs> so, and that was that was without a yeah. freshman right tackle and freshman left tackle. Right. So, I mean, it's just one of the things where like the, the O line kind of lost a little bit of talent. Right. You know who he reminds me of is uh, Josh Rosen. Really? Yeah. And now, granted, that was at UCLA. Yeah. But, but just you know, a ton of talent, a little undersized, mm-hmm. and just. Uh, makes poor decisions. Right. You know, I mean, so... Yeah, and they don't really have a running game either. I, I don't think... I mean, uh, well, as of right now, they did get the uh, the new running back. He transferred in from Texas. Uh-huh. He's a pretty solid player. He's been, I guess, turning a lot of heads in training camp. So we'll kind of wait and see is that if he has a running game, how does that impact? Because Pac-12, I don't think a lot of schools really can't stop the run outside of Utah maybe. Mm-hmm. Colorado, I think, with if you avoid Nate Lamb, and you, you know what I mean, you, you can probably run on the well, outside. Terrence Lane, Colorado's got a tough defensive line. Too. Yeah, I mean exactly. they lost Mustafa Johnson. Yeah, but, yeah. But outside of that, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you just kind of, you just. I feel like the run game is really, really big for USC to get back to where it once was, right? Um, but having said all that about Keenan Slovis, he's definitely the one that bears the most burden. I want to talk a little bit about staying on the run game topic, though. Um, CJ Vertle from Oregon. This kid has got a lot of tools. Yeah. Um, coming back last year, he had you know 1,220 yards in 2019, eight TDs. He, he can catch the ball pretty well out of the backfield as well. Um, they didn't really throw to him as much as I think they would have liked to, but um, a lot of that kind of really depends. They have a pretty solid – their O-line is stacked, like mm-hmm. with experience, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that he'll benefit from that as well. He's more of a – he's not really a bell cow running back. He looks – I mean, his size, he's got some size, but he's more of that, like, that shifty one decision, maybe maybe two cuts and go, uh-huh. you know what I mean? He probably could work on just one cut and go. Yeah. Um, well, and they're they're a fantastic team. Yeah. And they should be, should be in the lead a lot in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. And so they'll be running the, you know, run the clock out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll be doing that, that stretch run, you know, yeah. from, from the shotgun to mm-hmm. where... He or not the stretch run, but the um, the read option. The run. read option. Yeah. So he'll have plenty of room in the backfield to make his reads. He doesn't Absolutely. have to be a big bruiser. No, I see him racking up, you know, fifty yards a game, sixty yards a game in the second half. If he gets to the second level, like yeah, he's okay, gone. look out. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got the burn of speed for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously you kind of hinted him earlier a little bit talking about Charlie Brewer from Utah. Kid's got a lot of tools. He yeah. really does. I mean, his Baylor years, he transferred over. It's one of those things where it's like, do you think he has the tools? Utah's a very good team around him, so he doesn't have to necessarily be the mm-hmm. guy. He can just be like a game manager and not make mistakes and kind of put them in position to win the game, right? I, I feel like with him, you're going to get a lot of dink and dunk passes, some checkdowns, but he, he occasionally over the top. But mm-hmm. the talent there... For Utah, that, that has is crazy. So he's taller. He's a bigger build. The guy, he's similar to a guy you'll remember, and Pac-12 fans will remember for a different reason, but uh, Jacob Eason. Yeah. You know, he's, he's big. He's tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a tendency to make some poor reads and poor decisions. Mm-hmm. 2020, he had 14 touchdowns and eight interceptions, mm-hmm. uh, which is not a fantastic touchdown interception no. uh, comparison. But he threw for almost 2,000 yards. Um and that was on a real poor Baylor team that yeah. had a bad offensive line. He he is just like with uh, Keaton Slovis. He's got two two of the big 
uh, you know, ugly, uglies up front, yeah. left tackle and right guard, are both freshmen. Yeah. But they're two top receivers, well, mm-hmm. receiver and a tight end. Uh, Queeth is potentially one of the top tight ends in the country. Absolutely. Coming back, that's that's going to be big for him, like you said, sort of check down to have a running back and a tight end to yeah. be able to so have the ability end, to catch the ball. A tight end's your best friend in college, especially in the red zone. I mean, you look at players like Hawkinson and Fant that used to play for Iowa. I mean, they were mm-hmm. touchdown machines. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, uh, like the outlook is good for him. Can he fix the mistakes? Can he avoid the the I guess the the blitz is he able to see what the defense is doing? I mean, at that level, you should be able to read a defense, right? Well, see, that's where I have confidence in Kyle Whittingham and his mm-hmm. co- coaching staff. Yeah, you know, whereas with USC, I don't have that confidence with Clay Helton and Keaton Slovis because they have similar tendencies. Like I, I told you, I compared Keaton Slovis to Josh Rosen. I mean, he's going to make poor decisions, and is Clay Helton I, I, the kind of coach that's going to bring him under his wing and say, "Hey"? Son, like, come on. Right. Make better decisions. Yeah, I just don't see Slovis as being that guy. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I mean, them kind of forcing JT Daniels out for this kid. I really haven't seen him light up the world like JT Daniels possibly no. has. So, it's one of those things. But moving on, um, as far as the the um, oh, oh, the sorry. defense we can highlight for sure. The best defense in the Pac-12 is by far probably, uh, I mean, the best player is Oregon. He, or Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, you could you could argue Nate Landman, maybe even Devin Lloyd. Uh, but as far as I think the best overall player, I think it's Thibodeau. The kid is just a he's a pure edge rusher. I mean, he's got you know two three tools in his in his toolbox as far as getting past tackles. His ability to stand up the tackle and and be shedding him like is second to none. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Von Miller. Like, as far as his, his dip-rip combo, um, very, very strong. And, this, and Oregon has a very good secondary, I think. They're a little bit underrated. A lot of people don't realize. Yep. So throwing the ball on them is just only feeding the teeth of Thibodeau. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you're in a passing And like you said, Oregon's going to get up on teams, right? That's forcing like a team like USC to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. That's just playing into the strength of the Oregon's defense. So there's a reason why I think Oregon is coming in as highly touted as they are because they're able to put up points and they're able to play with the lead, which only helps their defense. Yeah, but from a defensive player of the year standpoint, you you're, you rarely see the defensive player of the year on a team with such an explosive offense. It's uh, pretty rare. You know, well, I mean, specifically an explosive running game. Yeah. So, like, Oregon's going to eat up a ton of the clock. Mm. With their running game, he won't be out on the field much. The other thing is, Oregon has very a very young linebacking core. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. Kayvon Thibodeau is he's probably a top ten draft pick next, next year. To, yeah, next to Breezy, I have him as the as the second best overall player. I think. But so then, but another uh, another player to keep your eye on, and and who I'm sort of predicting to have a breakout. Uh, season is Devin Lloyd. Yeah. Last year he had 48 tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble. Um, Shortened year, but he still had a ton of tackles. <laughs> they returned <laughs> all 11 starters on defense. Wow. Okay. 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 So that's going to be a very strong defense. And again, at linebacker, you have the liberty to roam. We see this with the next guy we're going to talk about too. Yeah. You have a lot more liberty to roam around and pick up tackles, interceptions, forced fumbles. When you're in a position of, of D-line, D-end, yeah. like Kayvon Thibodeau, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's run-stop at the line or it's yeah. or it's go for the sack. But yeah. once the play gets past you, you're pretty much out of the play. Yeah, I don't know if – I mean, yeah, I really haven't seen him run 
you know what I mean, like speed-wise, mm-hmm. Thibodeau. Um, compared to probably Lloyd, I'd say he's he's definitely a thumper for sure. Um, and that's he, Devin, Devin Lloyd from Utah, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Devin Lloyd. Um, the, so it's one of those things where it's like, as a linebacker, he's probably calling the defense, right? Especially mm-hmm. as their best player. So it gives, uh, you, you said that that second level, he's able to kind of come up, play the blitz a little bit, play the run. Um, as far as him getting those two sacks, though, that I you kind of in a shortened year you want to see that bump up. You probably want him to get a beat around, try to get around like six or seven. Uh, I know it's not really a big bump up as far as you know two to six, but in in college teams that's mm-hmm. it's a pretty big bump up, especially if your linebacker is able to get those sacks. That means he's able to blitz that more than likely the a gap, and he's getting and he's disrupting the play right away. Um, which is what leading into kind of someone who else does that really well, in my opinion, is probably the best inside linebacker in college football coming in next to Nicobe Dean and, and Mike Rose is Nate Landman, the Land Shark dude. This kid, I can't stop speaking about him. He's a monster. So, 114 tackles, two sacks, one interception, uh, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery. Um, last year were kind of like a little bit of things to like hang his hat on. He did get hurt at the end of last year. Uh, that kind of makes you wonder: is he able to mentally when you when you tear? Your, it was an ACL, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah. So mentally, an ACL takes about two years to recover from. Um, physically, it takes about six six to eight months, right? So the recovery time and all that. You just wonder. I don't think he's the type of player that's going to let him mentally affect him like that. But you just wonder, is there going to be a drop-off? Like, is he going to slow down a little bit? Is he going to hesitate because his knee might not be 100%? Having your your ability... He can make all the right reads, but will his knee get him in the position that he needs to be in, right? Um, I, I don't foresee him not being in the right position. I just think that he's... As far as a dark horse defensive player of the year, I think it's a good choice. Um just well, because... last year you saw the emergence of Carson Wells. Yeah. Uh, who, and especially once uh, Landman went down with injury, mm-hmm. Carson Wells really took that mantle. He had, I believe, six sacks. Again, this is in a shortened season. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, is an average of a sack a game for, mm-hmm. for uh, a Pac 12 team last year. Right. Uh, also, again, I mentioned in a previous podcast. Uh, we have the transfer coming in from Oklahoma, Robert Barnes, mm. who I believe was a four-star recruit oh, in wow. Oklahoma. So they're going to be strong. Uh, they'll be strong-ish on the D-line. They're yeah. going to be very strong in the linebacking core. Uh, and then they have a couple of talented spots, Makai Blackman in the secondary. Mm. So so those are the kind of things that our tackle is going to get taken away from him. Uh, you know what I'm saying? When you think yeah. specifically about player of the year, yeah. he's not probably going to be able to rack up. I mean, he's still the had a same tackles, you know. <laughs> but yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. I, I mean, yeah. So uh, those are our three players. Uh, Thibodeau is who the media thinks is going to be defensive player of the year. Um, can't really disagree with it. Devin mm-hmm. Lloyd is who we think uh, might actually get some votes, if not. Yeah, Lynn. just sort of off the board. Yeah. yeah. And then Nate Lamman, obviously, someone we have to consider. Who's and all three will be all Americans for sure. They uh, or should be at least. You know, Landman may be on the second team. Lloyd might be on the second team as well, just unless Utah. I mean, depending on how well they do, obviously, yeah. that really plays into part two. So moving on here, let's get into the we'll actual. Do, yeah, we'll do a little rapid fire here yeah. of, of the just a little little tidbits on each team. Mm-hmm. So we'll start off, uh, let's go alphabetical order. Okay. Arizona Wildcats. Uh, this is year one for Jed Fish. 
Uh, you remember Kevin Sumlin got fired last year after Arizona State absolutely beat the ever-loving dog shit out of them I remember seeing at the game. end of the season. Wasn't it like 50 to nothing at half? It was. It like was and, her, and Herm Edwards did not take let his up. foot off the gas pedal. No, because it's a rivalry game. You yeah. shouldn't. Oh, you got to let them know. They beat them down so bad. The one bright spot, uh, <laughs> uh, all second team All-Pac-12 kicker Lucas Haverisic. So when only, whenever you have a kicker and only a kicker, <laughs> that is on a team to, or a player list to watch. You you don't have very much talent, right? So U of A, and I'm not expecting them to win two games. I really am not. I don't think that they will. I don't know who. I can't. I couldn't honestly. I couldn't name one player like that they have. I, I just yeah. They're so, so relevant. Their overall power ranking is 115. They're 109th on offense, 116th on defense. Mm-hmm. They also have the fourth toughest uh, strength of schedule in the conference. Okay. They're playing tough teams. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think if we jump back, uh, I have Arizona go to 111. Okay. <laughs> Rightfully so. Okay. So I think that's probably... Where's that one win coming from? Uh, <laughs> let me see if I can pull it up Man, real quick. I just... Uh, look, and I'm not trying to bash in Arizona. It's just like... They, but they they never Northern played. Arizona week three they play okay. Northern Arizona at home. Okay, so yeah, okay, cool, and that could even be a, a close game, right? <laughs> like it's it's one of those things where it's like it could whatever, man. Uh, I'm not trying to bash on U of A. I'm just saying that as far as talent wise goes, you really don't have an argument saying that they're going to be better than what we're projecting them to be. All right, so Arizona State then uh, is next, mm-hmm. and this is year four yeah. for Coach Herm Edwards. Uh, we've talked plenty about the off-season Absolutely. issues and stuff. Absolutely. Um, they went eight and five in 2019, but only two and two last year. They had a ton of issues with COVID last year, mm-hmm. uh, which probably was an early indication that there was issues with the leadership there. Yeah. Um, but return a ton of production. Offense, eighty-six percent of their offensive production is back. Eighty-two percent of their defensive production. Mm-hmm. They're very, very talented. There's no question. Yeah. Um, I mean. Run through some of those. Yeah, I mean, well, they it's just starting off their quarterback, Jaden Daniels. He's got a lot of talent. Um, Rashad White, Kellen Deesh. Uh, so just just name a couple players on the offensive side, and then you can't forget Big Donovan West. So it's like, as far as the offensive production and talent, it's there. Can they ignore the distractions, put it all together, and and put up some points? I mean, their strength of schedule is very favorable. I, I just don't see mm-hmm. how they. They shouldn't be, right? They, these guys should be competing for the Pac-12, like oh, at least yeah. at the start, right? I mean, Yeah, I mean, I mean if you take the off-field issues out of it mm-hmm. or leadership issues out of it, like you said, I mean, they've got the second easiest schedule in the conference. Right. They, they have the 23rd uh, ranked uh, offense in the country mm-hmm. by our power ranking metric. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the only issue is they've got a pretty pedestrian defense, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, there, there, there are really four teams There's in Pac-12 South yeah. that 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 have the ability, in my opinion, to win the Pac-12 South, and that's yeah. Utah, USC, Colorado, and Arizona State. Right. And 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 everyone else. So then UCLA and Arizona are the other two teams. Yeah. And there's there's so much further below talent wise those four. Exactly. Uh, I agree. If they if they don't win. I have them projected to win eight games. You were saying maybe seven. Yeah. I mean, I know that early in the podcast I was kind of a little bit down on them. It's only because of the distractions. Like, I don't feel like – I think Coach Herm Edwards is a very, very good coach. I think he's a leader of men. 
if anybody is able to turn around these distractions and turn it into mm-hmm. positive, I think it's him, especially in the Pac-12. So having said that, though, I mean, Cal, let's move on to the Golden Bears. <laughs> I mean, year five of the Justin Wilcox experiment. You know, they had that one fantastic year two years ago, 2019. Yeah. Evan, Evan Weaver, they went down and they won. They what was it? At, was it at Ole Miss or at Tennessee? I can't remember. Who I can't they, remember who they beat. Um, and then, uh, and then I think they beat maybe North Carolina too. But that was their that was their like highlight year, right? So, yeah. So well, in the end, that's their highlight year. They went eight and five, right? Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> that's so. Yeah. But then last year, one and three, they also like like Arizona State had tremendous issues with the COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I think a lot of that has like in state stuff as far as like the political things. So we're not going to get into that at all. It's one of those things where it's like Cal needs to figure it out pretty quick. I mean, if if say Cal has another year where they did, you know, eight and five, great. Wilcox's job is saved. But if they mm-hmm. if they don't make a bowl game, I think you're going to see some changes for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and they return eighty seven percent of their defensive production, mm-hmm. uh, and Evan Weaver is back. But they don't have a single player on the first or second team All Pac twelve. No, I mean and it's tough to win when you don't if have you don't have talent like that exactly and, and if you I mean even Colorado has a couple players so it's just like okay cool yeah um, their, their defense is strong mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, 47th in the country yeah offense is terrible they, they have very little offense and they only return 75 percent just like, where's their production I mean this is a team that so are they gonna average 17 points a game like yeah in well, college like okay yeah but, um, moving next though it's your your Buffaloes that's man. Right. so uh, they're a streaky team, right? They, oh. they either can be really, really, really good this year, or they're going to be average. There's no in-between as far as... They're not going to be bad, right? They're going to be I solid. They're going to be very... I think I think if we give them benefit of the doubt, I, I expect them to be very competitive. You have Jarek Broussard, who's an all-time... Uh, who's a first 12... or Sorry, all-first-team Pac-12 running back. Mm-hmm. Whenever you have an all-first Pac-12 team running back... You're going to put up some numbers, right? A lot of people, but at the same time, they might be stacking the box. You might see eight, nine guys in the box because they don't really necessarily know who the quarterback is going to be at CU, right? Mm-hmm. I think Broussard is one of those type of players that can actually, um, can, can, can if, he's, if he's facing a stacked box, he's definitely going to be, the, he's not going to be negative yards, right? He's not a negative, he's a downhill running back that's going to get his numbers for sure. And then, but the strength is definitely in the defense yeah. for this year. No question. And I don't know if Darrell did that on purpose. He did invest. He did inherit this team, right, from Mel Tucker. Who he did. But Mel Tucker really didn't have a great recruiting class coming in when he was here that one year. So Carson Wells, uh, yeah, I guess Outside Carson of him, Wells would have been a yeah, and Mackay Blackman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if those guys were a Mel Tucker recruit or the year before. Yeah. Um, but they have very strong defense. They have they have the, the number one defense in the conference. Yeah, for okay. sure. The offense is tough because you have Jarek Broussard, who you just mentioned is the first yeah. team All-Pac-12. Also, Alex Fontenot comes back from an injury. Mm. He was the second team All-Pac-12 two years ago. Okay. So we've got tremendous talent in the backfield. Yeah. We are going to have a brand-new quarterback. Um you know, and so it's yeah, it's going to be interesting. There's right. been several several injuries on the offensive line yeah. in the off season, so the offense is going to be tough. If we're able to run the ball yeah. and and rely on defense, then I think the Buffs could have 
you know, an eight and four season. Can this team stay healthy? Is the question. If they if um, they can stay healthy, and absolutely eight wins is it's a great it's a great season for them. It, healthy and the the quarterback doesn't turn ball. Over. Yeah, young new quarterback. Yeah, whoever that is doesn't turn ball over. For but sure. year two, the Carl Durrell experiment, and uh, you know, went from five and seven under Mel Tucker in mm-hmm. twenty nineteen. Last year, the Buffs were four and two. Uh, and four and zero going into the game at home against Absolutely. Utah at the Absolutely. end of the season. But. Perfect. Moving on, Oregon, uh, a team that probably should win the Pac-12, um, next to USC, depending on how USC does this year. They have talent all over the place. I think you can't really, you can't probably find a better team for their conference play than Oregon, as far as how they stack up against everybody else in that conference. Um, Alex Forsythe, uh, Mikel Wright, and then Kayvon Thibodeau will probably be the the three players that will make that potentially first, second team, All-American list. For sure, All-Pac-12 team. Um, and then you also have C.J. Vertel. And then uh, Noah Sewell is someone that I want to talk a little bit about. That's Penny Sewell's little brother, isn't it? Or cousin? Yeah. yeah. So he's coming. He's a linebacker. And if you're telling me that he's... He's related to Panay, mm-hmm. who was known for his ability to block people like like a bus, right? And you 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 only helped your little brother as a linebacker. I'm excited to see this kid play. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a lineman in the conference that stands a chance against him for sure. They returned a ton of production, mm-hmm. 87% on offense, mm-hmm. 84% on defense. Probably almost the entirety of that 16% um, that's missing there is uh, Penny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but uh, as far as that, but and you're, then, you're four for yeah. uh, Coach Mario Cristobal, mm-hmm. and man, he seems to have them back to the Chip Kelly days, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I, I mean, Oregon has a chance to really, really turn some heads and be good again. And I, I mean, you know, they you got, got that, 50 uniforms, you might as well use them all, right? Yeah. Like, I, they I got think, that early game against yeah. Ohio State in the horseshoe. Mm-hmm. Ohio State is kind of reloading right now, right? We don't have Justin Fields coming back. No. You know, so it might be an opportunity if the Pac-12 wants to be respected nationally. you got to pick off some of those games. you got to win this game, for sure. So I think... This uh, is a red-letter must-win game for Oregon and the Pac-12. So you just hope that they don't have a Pac-12 ref crew coming down there to help out. So Just, they had an interesting year last year. Yeah, yeah, after going 12-2 in 2019, and that was kind of the trend under Cristobal... They went four and three last year, which is just, you know, I don't. I think that's just one of those things you just write off to COVID and and who knows. But they're 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 the top ranked power ranking team in the Pac-12 uh, for a reason. And um, third ranked offense, seventh ranked defense, uh, and they have one of the weaker outside of that Ohio State game. They have one of the weaker schedules in the conference. Absolutely. So it sets up very nice for them. Yeah. Moving on next, we got Oregon State. Um, their their team, as far as disregard that. Yeah, as far as like what they can be, I'm not expecting much from Oregon State. I really am not. I think Colorado's going to beat up on them. I think that they're going to be kind of a shell of themselves. They do have some pretty good talent though, as far as Avery Roberts and Nathan Eldridge. But I mean, they start the schedule's tough. They, I'm not expecting them to really turn heads. Tough. Our numbers have them going two and ten. Oh mm-hmm. and yeah. nine in conference. Oh wow. Uh, it's just they just don't have the talent. Their better I mean, their better unit last year was yeah. their defense, and mm-hmm. they and they lost 
They only are returning 79% right. I mean, of that production. They're definitely with U of A in terms of, like, bottom of the barrel in the Pac-12, for sure. Oh, I think they're much better than you, than Arizona. Well, no, but I'm they're, saying, yeah. like, as far as this coming year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, like, they'll, be, think, they'll be last in their division. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Which is but just unfortunate. Arizona is a unique circumstance. They're just uniquely bad. Yeah. But... But year four for Jonathan Smith, so we'll mm-hmm. see how that works out. And then we've got, uh, finally, Stanford. Not finally, but Stanford uh, to move on a little bit here. Long ago, there was a player the name Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> they were really good. There was also Andrew Luck. This team had a really good head coach. And he was still there, obviously. He recruited both of them. Uh-huh. But his recruiting classes of late haven't really been anything to kind of write home about. Yeah, David Shaw is a fantastic coach, but it's been getting bleak you wonder if lately. That, yeah, you wonder if he peaked, and yeah. it's just like now it's like, okay, everybody's figured out his system because he really hasn't revamped it. He really uh-huh. hasn't seemed to he, – he targets the same style of players is what it seems like. He's just not able to really get them for whatever reason. Well, I mean, it's tough to get to Stanford. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you just want – I want them to be good. But I don't think they're going to be at, you know, maybe four wins, five wins. A bowl game A bowl game is a good year for them this year. Six wins. Yeah, we have Stanford. The, say Stanford at six, six and six. Yeah, get into the points set and, you know, call it good or whatever. So we'll move on to, I think it's UCLA is next. Um, if we're going off alphabetical, yep. So uh, Chip Kelly. Where do we even begin with this guy? Come in, everybody's like, UCLA is going to put up all these points. They really haven't done anything. They do have the hardest strength of schedule. Um, this is going to be a tough, tough yeah. test for them. I don't think he's going to be fired if they, because based on the strength of schedule and just the team around it. But he does have Kyle Phillips, who's uh, getting a lot of, um, you know, some second, third round grades as far as potentially being a drafted player, um, which is good. You know, that's where you want to kind of start with. I mean, great. He's got a really good tight end. Um, and then his, I think, as far as their defense goes. Are they projected like for you? I mean, we've got them eighth here. Is that over? Is that that's in the conference? Back twelve, eighth okay. best defense okay. in the conference. Okay. I mean, they re- they return a ton of talent. Yeah. Um, Dorian Thompson Robinson, a quarterback. He's yeah. another kind of gunslinger, like I was saying with Keaton Slovis, that yeah. can have issues. Yeah. Um, with decision making, they return a ton of talent, but they just flat out have a, a, an incredibly difficult schedule. Yeah, and yeah. and and outside of uh, Sean Ryan, on the offensive line, their mm-hmm. offensive and defensive lines are are in a just mess. mess. They're yeah, a, mess. Just a mess. And and you you know from playing football, I mean, if how, how many times trenches. does who controls the line of scrimmage dictate who wins? It's a game of inches, and it starts in the trenches. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you you want to have that big center, you want to have that big guard, but if you don't have, I mean, if you don't have a good push on the line. You know, at a point of contact, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long day for sure. So, so the numbers have UCLA five and seven. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's about right. I think. I mean, let's face on the strength of schedule for sure. Which is probably not gonna get Chip Kelly fired. No. 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 It shouldn't. Moving on, we got USC. Um, we kind of talked about them a little bit earlier in the podcast, and so we're not gonna dive too much into deeper into them as far as their first team All Pac-12 team or players go. Eight got players, eight players on first and second team all packed. They've got a lot, so they, the talent is there. Keaton Slovis, Drake London, Drake Jackson, Chris Steele, um, and then you have on the second team Nick Figueroa, Tuli Tuli Tipolodu, Isaiah Polomau, and then Ben Griffiths, which is their punter. Um, and and make a mistake if you like we said earlier, if you have just one kicker on your team, but if you have 
you know, seven other players, and then your kick or your punter. A punter is a really good weapon, especially in college. You're able to flip mm-hmm. the field. Yep. I think, and that'll play in USC's strengths because you're, you're putting the defense back, um, and they can pin their heels and go. So they do have the third ranked, uh, third toughest strength of schedule yeah. in the conference. Uh, Notre Dame. They play at Notre Dame. That'll they be a good game. Finish the season with BYU at home, which is interesting. That normally they would finish the season with the rivalry game UCLA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and again, I mentioned earlier. A sneaky good San Jose State team to start off the season. Mm. They get it home. <laughs> so we'll see just how good they are then, eh? Uh, Utah finishing, I think, kind of, not finishing, but uh, getting close here, rounding out the, the bottom of the, the Pac-12. Utah is by no means in the bottom of the, back t- the Pac-12 at all. Um, Nick Ford, Mike Tafua, Devin Lloyd, and then Jaden Redding. Lloyd we talked about a little bit in depth as far as one of the best linebackers, potentially a defensive player of the year for the Pac-12 for sure. Their strength of schedule isn't isn't unfavorable for them to go. I mean, yeah. potentially 11 wins, you know, so it's one of those things yeah. where it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, that, that uh, off a little bit off the board, but wide receiver Britton Covey, mm-hmm. just an incredibly reliable check down. Uh, a guy, uh, and I already mentioned uh, Queeth, the tight end. Yeah, uh, Charlie Brewer is going to have some weapons, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and so it'll be it'll be interesting. They they're not they don't have a terribly tough schedule. Year sixteen for Kyle Whittingham. Yeah, he's been there forever, but rightfully so. Utah's always in the mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and then we got Washington uh, coach. It's their second second year. Yeah, Jimmy Lake. Yeah. Okay. Um, as far as their talent goes. It's one of those things where it was last year a fluke or no with this coming back team. Do you think Washington can be competitive in this division? No, so actually it was kind of shocking to me how well they did in 2019. But mm-hmm. last year, a little regression to the mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I think you're seeing a turnover in talent. Because mm-hmm. uh, they only had two, or three players in first or second team all Pac-12. Yeah. You lost a ton of production, only 73% returning on defense. Mm-hmm. A lot of offensive production coming back. But I, it's it's certainly looking to me like Jimmy Lake is not the answer. Yeah. And, you know, you remember when Chris Peterson left, he kind of left them high and dry. He did. And, and he did. They've been trying to convince us that Jimmy Lake is is the truth, but well, I guess we'll see. We're gonna see this year. It's not, I'm not saying he's on the hot seat, but if he has a bad year, I mean, their strength of schedule is pretty weak uh, as far. I mean, it's the what twelfth, twelfth ranked, yeah, yeah, weakest, so, weakest in the conference. Uh, yeah, and they and they have uh, okay. So if Jimmy Lake down. can't get them to a bowl game with that week of a schedule, then he's definitely on the hot seat coming into next year for sure. So you, you want yeah. to see production. The our, numbers, now. our numbers have Washington 8-4. Mm-hmm. You want to see the production. of they, Week 2, they play at Michigan. Okay. Okay. Well, then both coaches might be fighting for their jobs at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I think Jimmy Lake is safer than Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> for sure. It's still because he's so new. And finally, routing it out, we got Washington State. So... Um, they have a really good running back, Max Borgie. Uh, Abraham Lucas is also a really good offensive lineman for them. Um, their coach is coming into the year two. Uh, their strength of schedule is pretty favorable at the eighth, uh, ranked eighth as far as the weakest. Um, so Washington State could be a potential bowl. I mean, they should win a bowl, you know, not necessarily win a bowl game, but they should go to a, a decent bowl game based on their, their, two, their offense, right? Their offense can put up some points. I think Borgie's an incredible talent. And yeah. He's been there forever. I remember watching him two, through two, three years ago. 
Just, you know, uh, but they've got basically nothing else. Reminds me of Peyton Hillis. He really, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, a, just absolutely. Yeah, from Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah, no, he does. Our numbers have him at four and eight. Mm-hmm. It, not too much of a stretch to think that they could turn that four and eight into a six and six. Yeah. Uh, like you said, and go to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's a good year for them. So, and that is, that'll kind of finish it up for our Pac 12 conference preview. We're going to dive into the Mountain West. So, um,. Man, the Mountain West has Air Force, Boise State, CSU, Fresno State, Hawaii. Uh, it's got uh, Colorado State, Utah State, New Mexico, and then uh, Nevada, San Jose, Fre- Hawaii, UNLV, and San Diego State. I want to highlight, before we dive into the actual overall conference teams and what we have in the algorithm, I want to highlight a couple players from some, some teams that I don't think are getting enough love, obviously, like we like to do here on, on the fan section. Um, Cade Hall from San Jose State is a very good player. We're going to talk about him in depth. We're also going to talk about Jake Hayner, um, who was a former Washington transfer, for, now at Fresno State. Um, and then Wyoming, Sean Chambers. Uh, he came back, missed last season, and then you have, uh, who I think a dark horse to win the player of the year for the Mountain West is um, Xavier Halliday, a running back from Wyoming. So, without further ado, let's just dive into what we have as far as the numbers and the predictions go. So, the media vote from Media Days, uh, now in the Mountain West, they have the Mountain Division and the West Division. In the Mountain Division, top three, you got Boise State, Wyoming, Air Force. And then in the West, Nevada, San Jose State, San Diego State. Mm -hmm. And our our numbers, when we run the model out, uh, have... Uh, conference predictions: uh, Teams finishing in the Mountain: Boise State at ten and two, mm-hmm. Wyoming nine and three, Air Force seven and five. Our numbers, similarly to how our numbers are bullish on Utah, they're also bullish, pretty bullish on Wyoming. Yeah. Uh, and then in the West, San Jose State ten and two, Nevada ten and two, and then in third uh, in the West, San Diego State at eight and four. Yeah. Perfect. As far as the, the offensive player of the year, you can't forget Carson Strong is in that division for Nevada, right? He's getting a lot of first-round grades. He's getting a lot of top-five pick grades. Um, and like I said, kind of maybe that's a little bit of the media, you know, quarterback frenzy at the NFL needing him. Um, as far as everything else goes, Carson Strong has a lot of tools that you like. Um, 2,800 yards, 27 TDs, four interceptions. So he doesn't turn the ball over very well. He does go over the top a lot. And that's kind of crazy to say that Nevada, you know, has really, I mean, compared to, like, some of the other talent we're used to seeing on, on like, some of the big, bigger programs, he's making other players better, which yep. is, is a good thing, right? Well, you mentioned it when we were talking before the podcast. Uh, 70.1% completion percentage. That's insane. For throwing for almost 3,000 yards yeah. in a shortened season. I mean, this this dude has a lot of talent and skill. There's a reason why he's on the on the uh-huh. media's radar for sure. And they they return their top three wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, you mentioned to me earlier. I mean, they've got four seniors or grad transfers on the offensive line. Yeah. So that I mean, they went and pretty much went into free agency and got the best players available <laughs> right. for Nevada, especially. So they're looking to turn some heads this year. I don't know if they're. That's not less. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to have to even, you know, they'll have to go undefeated four years in a row to make it. <laughs> but, but Nevada should have a very good year this year. But our team we're projecting is your guy, Xavier Holiday. Xavier Valaday at Wyoming. Yeah. Uh, so Valaday as a running back that has all the tools um, that you want to see. Wyoming has in the past put out one player that's really really good. 
at the NFL level. Takes him a little bit, maybe a year or two to get his feet under him. I'm talking about Josh Allen, who just got that extension. But Valaday is a player that reminds me a lot of a breakout star. He runs like, I mean, honestly, I, I want to compare him to Adrian Peterson, but I don't. He's not that big. He's not that big. Um, but his production is there. So. 1,265 rushing yards, 6 TDs. The touchdown ratio is a little bit down because they're more of a passing team. Um, but it's one of those things where it's, he catches the ball out of the backfield. And that's the biggest separation, I think, between him and, say, like a Brees Hall, right? He's able to catch the ball and makes corners. He turns into a receiver at that point. His speed is just lightning. I, I can't talk enough about how good I think this kid is going to be especially at the next level. Um, and it's always nice to see those kids from those small, small-time small schools get a chance to really, really show, this is why I'm a first-rounder. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, he I, has a ton of talent. Mm-hmm. And Wyoming is, has a – there's a lot of hype around their new quarterback, but he is a sophomore, especially early on in the season. Mm-hmm. They're going to be run heavy. Exactly, which and is so. good if, if you're a Wyoming fan because – it gets really windy out there. No, yeah, once, once it gets cold, yeah, once yeah. it gets cold and windy, um, running the ball is, is going to and validate can, can can tote the rock. So, um, as far as on the other side of the on the other side of the ball, the defensive players, um, I did I mentioned him uh, at the beginning of the player I want to highlight, Kate Hall. Kid's a monster, man. He's a very good defensive lineman. Twenty six tackles, ten sacks. So his ability as a D lineman to to get after the quarterback plays in the strengths of San Jose State. I think they're gonna and you 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 highlighted they're playing Oregon, right? Or is it Utah that they play the second game? No, USC. USC. Okay, yeah. First game of the season, San Jose State. San Jose plays State USC. could potentially be a sneaky, like you said, a sneaky good team. We're gonna see Kate Hall against. Uh, you know, quote unquote, the best of the best, right? Against USC. Um, well, San Jose State, Kate Hall is that fixture mm-hmm. on unquestionably the best defense in the conference and one of the better defenses in the country. If you can have 11 Kate Halls on defense, you're going to win the national title. We'll just put it that way, right? Or you have a potential well, to and I, Also, I want to say, you mentioned that 10 sacks. That's 10 sacks in, in a shortened short season. season. That's Mountain West. They only played half a season Exactly. Last. And I get it. Like A lot of people are like, well, he's not going up against top gear. It doesn't matter. You get 10 sacks. I don't care who you are. Yeah. That's a lot of talent. Um, and your ability to get after the quarterback for sure. So, yeah, San Jose State goes as Kid Hall goes. Um, another person you wanted to highlight, though, is from uh, a young linebacker from, from Hawaii. Yeah, Darius Muawasuao. Uh, 93 tackles last year in a wow. shortened season. Okay. Okay, this dude. <laughs> he's he, everywhere. He's everywhere. <laughs> he's all over the place. They uh, they have a young defensive line yeah. and other the other linebackers are young as well, mm. so very much kind of like uh, if you think Nate Landman two years ago, yeah, ton of talent with this one guy, and then everybody else on the D line and the linebackers very young, and so he's cleaning up a lot of messes. He's he's picking up a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think he has a ton of talent, mm. and he's got an opportunity to really make a move. Ninety three tackles in a shortened That's season. That's a lot. That is a ton of tackles. That means you're you're literally every. I mean, you're pretty much in every single play. Your your head's in the play, right? Like yeah. Well, so if I mean, they arguably. if they if they played, I, I can't remember exactly how many games Hawaii played last year, but say if they played, if they played six games, he's averaging 15 tackles a game. That's insane. That's insane. That's a lot of tackles. That's one at least. That's at least two. That's averaging two to three every series. Yeah. 
That's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so is he's the type of player that I think is from a linebacker standpoint that makes players around him better. So because they want to match his tenacity, they want to match his production. Um, as far as Air Force goes, we're going to start into the actual team. So we're going to start with Air Force alphabetical. Um, not going to lie, I've been to a couple Air Force Falcons games, a little off topic, and they are some of the funnest games I think I've ever been to. Like, I know the offense is boring because it's the triple option, nobody likes it, but they have to, a lot of people don't realize Army, Navy, Air Force, they have to run that because they're not getting the style of players because there's certain mm-hmm. weight requirements and height requirements that a lot of players have to, you're in the military, mm-hmm. right? So you can only really run this style of offense. Mm-hmm. So I'm tired of people bagging on how it's boring football. This is the this is the talent that they have and the best well, talent, the best offense that fits them. Oh, in twenty nineteen, Air Force went eleven and two. Exactly, they came up and kicked the ever loving dog shit out of Colorado. See, yes, yeah. they destroyed them. So, yeah. and that was with Chanel. They had Chanel yeah, at the time. Chanel and um, Montez. Yeah, yeah, and Montez. So, I just I just wanted to throw that little nugget out there that the reason why they run these 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 offenses is because the mm-hmm. player personnel. It's very hard to get into those schools. This is the players that they have. Um, so. Don't return a lot of production. No. 59% on offense, 49% on defense. I think it's going to be a down year for them. Yeah, it's kind of a rebuild. As far as, yeah. So, um, Kyle Patterson is their tight end. They don't really throw the ball off that often, but he's he's able to actually get some. When they do throw, he's definitely their target. Um, the strength of schedule, though, is favorable for them. I, I do think mm-hmm. that they might be able to. I think they're going to turn some heads, but I also don't. I'm not expecting them to. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where. As far as their linebacker, their defense, I mean, that's where they they eat up a lot of clock, right? Yeah, they're, they're, that is a great point. They, they, see, they have a very highly rated defense, mm-hmm. but that's a little uh, a, a little sneaky because it, they're just not on the field much because right. they just run the ball exactly. every play on exactly. offense. So maybe that's um, where maybe that's why uh, the guy from Hawaii got ninety three tackles because he was in every single play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, new running back for Air Force, Brad Roberts yeah. might be interesting to keep an eye on him. I've heard he's got quite a bit of talent. Okay, perfect, perfect. And they they usually run three of them, so if he's the single one mm-hmm. guy, awesome. Moving on, Boise State, a uh, team that probably should win the Mountain West. They're just very talented. They reload every year for the Mountain West. They. Their coach has said, uh, the previous coach before Leon Rice has said, we recruit guys that can run 4-3s and 4-4s, four we'll turn them into football players. Yeah, so Brian speed, Harson, yep. speed is what they live and die off He's at Auburn now. Yeah. You might want to watch <laughs> Yeah, good old Bo Nix, right? Uh, who can? He's actually pretty quick. But anyway, um, Leon Rice in his first year uh, coming into, this will be is this his first year coming in or is this his second year? This is his uh, first year coming okay, in. Okay. This will be year one, yeah, because so Brian Harrison just So left. he's inheriting a pretty solid team. We're, we're interested to see what he's able to do. Strength of schedule is the hardest, though. Um, rightfully so, boys. But at the same time, Boise State is one of the hardest teams to play. So having said that, they, they, they're probably going to, Roll a lot of the teams they play. Khalil Shakir, John Okuyu, um, Jake Stetz, um, just to name a few, is the all Mountain West first team guys. Guys that probably will eventually be in the NFL at some point in their careers. Um, they have the best offense, they have the fifth best defense. There's just a ton, there's just talent across the board mm-hmm. for them, rightfully so. Yeah, but the only problem being they have uh, unquestionably the most difficult strength of schedule in the conference. Um, you know, so they, they are going to play. Let me play see if I can teams. run through this real quick. Uh, they start off the season at Central Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then they've got Oklahoma State week three. 
They play at BYU, Nevada at home, uh, at San Diego State. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they've got a they got a pretty tough strength of schedule, and I'm not so sure that Brian Harson isn't a tremendous loss for them. Mm. Uh, you know, we're, we're projecting them to go ten and two. I mean, this is his class still, so yeah. the next two years, yeah. that's when we'll start to see his team. Uh-huh. Can another team in the Mountain West in the next two years? Take well, off. I think Nevada and San Jose State are on their heels. I think so. To take take over the mantle. For sure. All right, moving on, Carter State. Uh, guys, right down the road, I drove. Uh, I was talking to Tyson a little bit before the, the podcast. i never seen the new stadium before. That stadium's pretty. Yeah. Like, I know you're a CU fan, but we got we to gotta try to go to a, a game. Like, just to see the stadium. Oh, yeah. Um, it's very, very pretty. That's why they had to play Arkansas so they could pay for it. <laughs> anyway, so some some t- a little bit of talent coming back. Scott Patchen is is for sure the best player coming back. Um, first team All Mountain West. They got a couple. Uh, quarterback is Todd Centio, Marshawn Cameron, and and Daquan Jackson is their DB and their linebacker. Their strength of schedule is not good for the talent that they have though. It's the fourth hardest in the conference. This is a team that you want after losing Bobo, who came over. Mm-hmm. Um, from the SEC, my dogs, yeah. uh, was supposed to be, you're supposed to bring them to relevance, was supposed to be able to compete. They had one good year and they were able to compete, but they lost to Boise State, you know, in the Mountain West, right? Um, I think they took second, was the best overall. The actual, like, a few years ago, they were able to take second. Um, and it was between them and Boise State, and Boise State was beating them. So, having well, a little trip down memory road. Yeah. But as far as, like, CSU. They're going to be a middle-of-the-road team in the conference, right? Uh, that's just who they are, I think. Uh, they don't really, recruiting-wise, they're not really running the state. A lot of players, top 10 talent is either going to see you or going to you know, Oklahoma, as we found out with Sawchuck. So it's like, okay. But they're able to get some, they're able to develop some of these younger guys from these smaller towns, which I like. Like Wiggins, you have, you know, some Alt-Pierce players, a lot of, like, a lot of, a lot of these dudes that are one A, two A, you know what I mean, like eleven or even eight man, come to CSU and they're able to they're able to pretty much develop into some solid football players. Well, and something you were mentioning to me about recruiting. Another thing is they they're it's not even like they're competing with Colorado anymore for recruits. The, what Craig Bowl is doing up in Wyoming, mm-hmm. Wyoming's taking some of their recruits away too. Oh, you know, yeah. and so but Steve Adazio is he's got a solid track record as mm-hmm. a coach. This is only year two. Mm-hmm. Uh, our numbers have them finishing four and eight. Mm. Uh, you know, like you you mentioned, it's a tough schedule. Yeah, so, very tough. And very they tough. really, I mean, their offensive production returning sixty percent, defense sixty four. That's that's just too much turnover. Yeah, I'm not expecting them to do too much. Fresno State team is always very very good, um, or at least were. They have usually a talent across the board. Ronnie Rivers is a running back um, that I'd like to keep an eye on for that potential. Not a finalist for the Delk Walk or anything like that, but he's got a, not and not nearly as much talent as Zayvon Holiday. But I think him and Holiday are going to be going neck to neck as far as the rushing title for the Mountain West. Um, Jalen Cooper is also another player to keep an eye on as far as um, you know, just the young players that that like you'd like to see as far as turnover rate comes. The strength of schedule is pretty tough though, the third hardest. Um, and then as far as returning production though, they have a lot over seventy percent on both sides of the ball, so they should be still pretty solid. And head coach Kalen um, DeBauer, DeBauer, yeah, it's his first year, so he's inheriting a pretty solid team. I wonder if you know that impacts the little bit of the run game, a little bit of the pass game. We'll see on that offensive side because I don't know too much about him as far as being an offensive guru, but 
A defense. So he's coming up from FCS. Mm-hmm. They last couple of years, Fresno State had Jeff Tedford, the former Cal coach, mm-hmm. as their head coach, and they just have been underperforming. You're right; they have quite a bit of talent. Yeah. But four and eight in 2019. Last year, they go three and three. Mm. Um, they they made a change of coach. I don't see our numbers. Don't see any explosive. Uh, Development this year, yeah. uh, got them finishing four and eight. Yeah, and they do play. Uh, according to this, they play Oregon. They play Oregon, Oregon week two at Oregon, week four at UCLA. Yeah. So, I mean, if they're competitive in those games, heck yeah, dude. That's a that's a big blow uh, for the Mountain West. They're gonna get crushed by Oregon. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm just saying, like, especially if Oregon, because that's week two. Yeah. If Oregon loses to Ohio State, they're gonna come back and. Just beat the brakes off them, yeah. Might be a trap game if Oregon beats Ohio State. You want to see them competitive, right? Mm -hmm. They they, they might be competitive against UCLA. Moving on to Hawaii. Um, So, as far as the Mountain West goes, they have a lot of talent um, as well. Uh, Darius Masao, Cortez Davis, and Calvin Turner. um, They're they're all first team. So, by a ton of talent, I mean those three players, right? It's... Definitely led by Masao. Their offense, it wasn't what it was when Colt Brennan was there, obviously, which was so long ago. Which, uh, by the way, rest his, God rest his soul. Yeah. Um, That was sad. Tough, tough, tough loss. But as far as Hawaii, like, being, you know, they're going to be another middle-of-the-road team. Um, I'm not expecting to really do much. They should make a bowl game for sure. Now, remember I mentioned, they play 13 games. Mm. And they sort play a team twice, Sort right? of an interesting yeah. peccadillo. Yeah, yeah, they play uh, week five, they play at New Mexico State, and then week eight, they play New Mexico State again at yeah. home. Yeah, which is crazy. Now, like Calvin Turner, you mentioned, he's an athlete. He doesn't have a sp- really much of a specified position. Yeah. They can try and move him around on offense to mm-hmm. take advantage of different situations, maybe a running back, wide yeah. receiver, bring him into the slot. Mm-hmm. T- a tremendous athlete, but you're right, the – the defense is is you know kind of what they're going to rely the strength. on. The strength. Um, the our numbers have them finishing seven and yeah. six. Perfect. Uh, moving on, Nevada. So Nevada should win. Nah, it's one of those things where it's like Nevada, Boise State, right? Like with the talent and 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 it all starts at one position, which is the quarterback position. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say Nevada wins the Mountain West over Boise State just because of Carson Strong, mm-hmm. um, and also because Fresno's or not Fresno, but Boise State is under a new head coach regime mm-hmm. this year. So I think that'll kind of play. And Jay Norville's been there for five years. Um, so yeah, they're they're schedule pretty favorable for them. But when you have when you have a quarterback that is projected and, and can throw the ball like Carson Strong, there shouldn't be a team that stands in your way. Well, don't discount. They got first team All Mountain West kicker. <laughs> Brandon Talton. Yeah, buddy. No, but in all I mean, that's that yeah. that is important. But in all seriousness, I mean, from the offensive side of the ball, they've got the top offense in the conference, fifteenth ranked in the country. Mm. You you've got first team all Mountain West, like you mentioned, Carson Strong, yeah. your top wide receiver Romeo Dubs, and your tight end Cole Turner. Yeah. They're they're gonna be throwing it. I mean, it's it's almost like Mike Leach is when coaching up this by, team. When they're up thirty four nothing, they're still gonna throw the ball. Yeah, right. right? Because the goal is to get. Carson Strong as many looks as you can mm-hmm. to bring Nevada some recruits. And and you know what? If I was in Jay's position too, I would do the same thing. I'm trying to get Carson the Heisman. Mm-hmm. I'm throwing it. I'm like going over and saying, "Sorry, man, you're gonna have a bad year." <laughs> like, um, so, will, so week four they play at Boise State. Mm-hmm. That'll be first big test. But um, 
and I guess they have at Cal. That's not as big of a test. This is so they can play at Cal week one, week three at Kansas State, and then at Boise State. If they can make it through the first four weeks unscathed, I, I think they could potentially go undefeated. But our numbers have them at ten and two. Yeah, perfect, perfect. And moving on here. New Mexico Lobos, home of, I think it was Erlacher, went to the Brian Erlacher and your boy Tyson, undergrad at the University of New Mexico. Nice, nice. Um, So, the Lobos, man, where do we start with them? A good year for them would be three wins, probably, I think. Um, Well, that would be one more win than they had each of the last two years. (laughs) That's good. Uh, They strength the schedules, the the 10th, ranked 10th. Not very good, not very hard. Um, Jarek Reed is a player to probably watch on that, on that secondary. Uh, Bobby Cole is another person that we can probably highlight the running back that they got. Um, overall, though, they're just not very good. I mean, ranked ninth, ninth, and then you know for offensive and defensive production. So it's one of those things in where the it's like West. in the Mountain West, you know. So that could be, you know, bottom of the barrel as far as NCAA but goes. I'll tell you the one caveat is this kid, Terry Wilson, the mm. transfer they brought in from Kentucky at quarterback. Mm. He has a ton of talent, and you know, but he doesn't have a ton of talent around him. Yeah. So the question is, they've got a weak offensive line. They really don't return much production on offense or defense. But with, like you mentioned, Bobby Cole at running back and Terry Wilson, they have a, a, a very reliable center in Kyle Stapley. Yeah. I mean, if they... They're not going to be ever in the league of Nevada, San Jose State, no. Boise State. But could they up, upset the apple cart and go 6-6? Six and six? Uh, Unlikely, but possible. Our numbers have them finishing 4 oh, and 8. Okay. So then, yeah. Week 3, big matchup. You ready for this? Yeah. Week 3, big matchup. The, your New Mexico State Lobos at the Texas A&M Aggies. <laughs> That's an upset right now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Could you imagine... Man, no the way. CWA world would be like, okay, what's going on? There's no yeah, way. Terry Wilson would have to throw for you know 500 yards just to just have keep it close. But they they should. I mean, their their first four games, Houston Baptist should be a win mm-hmm. at home. New Mexico State at home is a win. Mm-hmm. Then obviously the Texas A&M games a loss. But then you got UTEP at mm-hmm. UTEP toss up. You could start three and one, mm-hmm. and then and then you're going into conference play. Right. You know so. So we'll see. Our numbers have them going four and eight, though. Yeah. So moving on, San Diego State, a team that I really actually like, and I like to give a lot of respect to as far as just what they've been able to do um, under the radar for sure. Like a lot of teams don't really respect them until they play them, and then they're like, "Wow, that was a good team." We're we're coming out with ice baths, you know. So the All Mountain West first team: Zachary Thomas, Cameron Thomas, Caden McDonald. They're just a power, a power hitting team and, and a solid football team. Um, as far as, you know, the strength of schedule, though, it's not bad. Uh, it's, you know, kind of middle of the road. It's ranked fifth was what we have it, um, uh, and the media also has it at. Their defensive unit is for sure the strongest, um, I guess, life of that team, right? So it's like how they're able to impact the mountain like impact the team is through their defense they're 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 smash mouth hitting Mm -hmm. like i said a power hitting team um their offense comes back pretty solid too uh but when you have you know cameron thomas and kate mcdonald that's definitely the heart and soul of that team for sure yeah the the problem the the i love san diego state too but we're thinking of uh, the San Diego State of old with Rashard Penny and yeah. you know their their heavy running game yeah. and fun running game. 
they're young and inexperienced on offense. Yeah. Like you mentioned, the the, the bellwether is going to be the defense. Mm-hmm. Them and San Jose State both have top ten defenses in the country according yeah. to our numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also have kind of a tough. They also have kind of a tough schedule. Yeah, and like I said, it's deserved. It's not like they're. Mm-hmm. That's why I said they're a team that you 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 don't respect until you play them, and then you realize as you're getting on the bus, you have six ice packs on your, on your <laughs> yeah. back. You know, mm-hmm. you'd be like, wow, we just yeah. we went up against a really tough team. Yeah. Um, and then moving on, San Jose State, a team that this year I think should really turn some heads. They have a lot of talent uh, as far as Jack Snyder, Kate Hall is who we we highlighted at the uh, kind of the beginning of this Mountain West preview, um, and then Vlami Fihiko and then Trey Jenkins. So their their D line and their and their one player in their secondary is definitely going to impact this. Right, they have the best defense in the Mountain West yeah. probably. Um, Overall, they should be the second best team rated next to I think they're probably next to Nevada as far as talent goes. Yeah, there's 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 definitely a class of the Mountain West, and that's your Boise State, Nevada, San Jose State. Uh, San Jose State is not going to wow on offense like Nevada. Yeah, Nevada's a lot more big offense and not super worried about the defense. Mm-hmm. San Jose State's the complete opposite. They're very dominant on defense. It'll be. It'll be very interesting to watch them play Nevada because they're two totally different styles of teams. Um, overall, second ranked in the conference power ranking. Their offense, again, only returns 59% of the production. Uh, year five for head coach Brent Brennan. Mm. Uh, he certainly has San Jose State on an upward trajectory. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, they do play, to quick little side note, November 6th they play at Nevada. So that could potentially be um, a game for the Mountain West. And then moving on, UNLV running Rebels. Coach Mark Serio coming into the second year. Returning offense is not very good as far as their production coming back. Um, but they do have Giovanni Fiallo. Yeah, Fallo. Clayton Bradley is their two players that will probably make the most impact on that offensive team. Jacoby Windman, we just love linebackers on this podcast, mm-hmm. don't we? <laughs> um, they start the schedule as the second toughest, though. So don't I'm not really expecting too much out of them. Maybe potentially, uh, you know, a four win season is good for them, just based on their offense coming back. Unless they get some studs that they've been waiting in the wings, but I don't think their recruiting class has kind of been able to match that. As far as their offense and defense, they're kind of rated in the in the bottom tier among the Mountain West. Um, but it's UNLV. You're not expecting them to really be, you know, middle of the road, a solid team. You're just expecting them to be okay. You know, just. Uh, honestly, just be average, and that's a good year for them. Yeah, our numbers have them at three and nine. Mm-hmm. Two thousand nineteen, they were four and eight. Last year, zero oh and six. Uh, that was year one for you mentioned head coach Marcus Arroyo. Yeah. Uh, they in any other year, you would look at the start of their schedule and think that that's not very impressive. But they've got week two at Arizona State, then they play Iowa State at home, mm. then at Fresno State, and then at. So I think a really sneaky, potentially good team, University of Texas San Antonio. Real, yeah, real quick though, side note, Tate Martell, I don't know if you know who that is, the quarterback that went to Ohio State, when then Justin Fields transferred to Ohio State, Tate Martell left mm-hmm. to go to Miami, and then had gotten into some trouble there, is actually at UNLV now. So they ha- they might have their quarterback. Like, they could potentially win, I mean, you know, for sure win the three games, right? But... Like you said, at Arizona State, and then they have Iowa State. Those are two losses probably right off the bat. But Eastern Washington. That's a win. Yeah, that's a win for sure. 
at Fresno might be lost. Utah is, what is it, University of Texas, San Antonio? Yeah, so they've got returning Sincere McCormick, second leading rusher in the country mm-hmm. from last year. Mm-hmm. He only had fewer yards than Brees Hall. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he is a tremendous talent. Texas, San Antonio, when we do our preview of Conference USA – we're going to have quite a bit of information for you on him. Yeah, for sure. So I'm just saying, like, Tate Martell joining him, I don't know if he's going to – He's in a could be a factor. A, he's in a quarterback battle for sure to start. Uh-huh. Um, well, it's like New Mexico it, with Terry Wilson coming yeah, in, you know? Yeah. It could, it could swing a game or two, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, I'm not expecting him to go undefeated because of Tate Martell. Yeah. Like, he didn't play at Ohio State, um, and he knew he wasn't going to play over Justin Fields. So, but he was ranked the third – I think it was the third best quarterback in that class. Yeah, so, tremendous talent. Yeah, very sounds very like good. he's got some. He's got some wheels, but yeah, it, like like Chad Kelly style issues. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just just bouncing around a couple teams. Um, next, we go to Utah State. Man, <laughs> Utah State. Uh, Logan Bo- Logan Bonner is I think is the transfer that they're getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so from from Arkansas State. Um, not too bad of a, not too bad of a player. Can sling it. Uh, likes to work outside of the pocket a little bit. Maybe a little bit too much. I don't know if Utah State's that style of offense as far. I don't really know much about their offensive style, um, but I do know that they got uh, a pretty solid linebacker, um, and then they also have a very good return to Savon Scarver. So their strength of schedules uh, not too hard. You know, ranked eighth out of the Mountain West, and then but their offense their offensive talent coming back is just under seventy percent. So. You wonder if Logan is able to come in with a team that has some mediocre talent and just mm-hmm. raise the bar a little bit. Well, like with like Hawaii, like we talked about, this this kid Scarver, mm-hmm. if you can move him around and put him in some advantageous positions yeah. on offense, they, it's, hey, year one for head coach Blake Anderson, this is going to be a heck of a of a re- sure. rebuild here. Our, sure. num- our numbers have him going 1-11. and 0-8 mm. in the conference. Wow. All right, and moving on, last but not least, it'll be Wyoming Cowboys. So, Zayden Holiday, can't talk enough about this kid. First team all Mountain West, and then you have Keegan Kreider, and then you have Chad Mumma. So, they're returning just under under 80% of their talent coming back, right? Wyoming, next to Nevada and probably San Jose State, should be a top team in that conference. I mean, we can probably both agree to that. It's probably the next tier. you got Boise State, Nevada, San Jose State, and then the next tier down starts with Wyoming. Right. It all comes, uh, I guess, just based on how their 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 Craig Bowl is able to to get those guys ready. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where you're gonna play CSU, which is a rivalry game. You're gonna you should beat the brakes off of them. You're gonna mm-hmm. your strength of schedule is pretty favorable in that in that sense. But really, I think I think this team, if their offense can do what we believe they can do, they're gonna be in some shootouts mm. and against like with Nevada's, the Boise States. You know what I mean? And they, that's and they that's, that's a, where they want to be. They have a tremendous home field advantage. Exactly. It gets windy and cold mm-hmm. up there, especially late in the season. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've got uh, late in the season, they've, they've got Boise State coming to Wyoming, mm-hmm. Utah State coming to Wyoming, uh, San Jose State coming to Wyoming yeah. in uh, early November. Yeah. yeah. I mean, San Jose State, they're going to come to – Wyoming, it might be below zero. It might, right. Okay, you know, so I'm not saying they're going to beat those teams, but what I'm saying is those games will be closer than you think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so yeah, they're a sneaky, sneaky good team. I mean, they yeah, so, like, they, I have them kind of coming into that game. What is it? I mean, for me, Montana State's a win. Northern Illinois is a win. Ball State's a win. UConn's a win. Air Force might be their tough game. And that's a rivalry game as well, but it's at Air Force. 
Um, we'll just say based on the talent coming back for Air Force, that's a win. Fresno State's another tough game. That that's a toss up. Could go either way. New Mexico's a win. Then they, yeah, you said San Jose State. Um, yeah, they could be seven and zero going into that San Jose State yeah, game. It's one of those things. It's and, just, okay, but, cool. But then the rest of their schedule rounds out. Colorado State, and then they have Boise State. So they, within that week, every other week from in the middle of October, they've got a tough game, easy game, tough game, easy game, tough game. Mm-hmm. So we could find out a lot about that character for sure. Uh, another sneaky good team, like I was talking about, Texas San Antonio, mm-hmm. is Ball State out of the MAC. Mm. Ball State and Buffalo are both yeah, very, Ball very State, talented. Didn't Ball State win the MAC like Ball like State three and Buffalo, years in a row or something? Yeah, Ball State <laughs> and Buffalo played in the MAC championship last year, and I believe also the year before. Uh, our numbers have Ball State actually winning at Wyoming. Yeah. If that game was later in the season, maybe not. Yeah. But uh, you know, uh, so our numbers have them losing to Ball State week three. Mm-hmm. San, at San Jose State week um, – oh, those are away games. I apologize. Yeah. That's at San Jose State and then uh, at Boise State. Mm-hmm. So the Wyoming goes 9-3. and three. Perfect. So we'll, And that rounds out the conference previews for both the Pac-12 and the Mountain West. Um, nothing really further to add as far – we did skip recruiting because we wanted to get right into the conferences. Nothing really big happened in recruiting as far as uh, that I know this past week. Um there was a decommit from Ohio State. We'll get into more of that next episode because I'm just right now when you decommit, it's like I said, it's just like something he saw or the team pitched him or whatever. But we'll talk about mm-hmm. him next episode for sure. Um, we also want to talk about a little bit. We'll dive more into recruiting for sure. Um, and then next week our preview will be the Big Twelve and the ACC. So if you want to go ahead and join us for that, uh, we are excited for that one. I, I think there's a lot of really really good teams in the. Uh, in the Big 12 that we could definitely cover as far as some of the top players. Yeah. And um, the ACC, very And the ACC, very, very, very competitive. But we thank you so much for joining us at the fan section here. I'm Alan, and that is Tyson, and we can't wait to see you guys next week. Boom, Steve.